0: Welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for August 7th, 2008. I'd like to welcome back my regular panel, Chuck Monster from VegasTripping.com. Hey, Chuck.
1: Hey, how's it going, Hunter?
0: I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, Dave Schwartz from UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Good afternoon, Dave.
2: Good afternoon.
0: Jeff Simpson from the Las Vegas Sun and In Business Las Vegas. Welcome, Jeff.
2: Good afternoon, guys.
0: Uh, David McKee is not on with us at the moment, but we hope he will join us. Um, my name is Hunter Hilligus and I run RateVegas.com. We've got a slate of new topics for today, but first off, I want to remind everyone that coming up on August 16th, which is a week from Saturday, at the Palms, we'll be participating in Vegas podcast of palooza where this show, along with Five Hundred by Midnight and The Strip Podcast, will be done live in front of an audience. Our guest on The Vegas Gang will be Palm's owner, George Maloof, and it should be a lot of fun. Um, the event is totally free, and you can find out all the details at vegaspodcastapalooza.com, which I will link to in the show notes. Okay, first up for today, probably the biggest story of the last week and a half, um, Boy Gaming halts construction on the Echelon Project. Um, uh they've opted to shut down construction on echelon which is a hotel project they were working on the Las vegas strip rather than pay exorbitant interest rates for the money they'd have to borrow they're basically sending the workers home and the site may sit for a year or more without any activity um, there have been some other signs recently that the financing on parts of this project were problematic but at least personally i didn't expect a full full-on work stoppage but it seems Wall Street did like the idea because they were rewarded with a hike in their in their share price. Now, we're going to get into the into the specifics of what these what you guys think in a minute. It's interesting, you know, they demolished the Stardust to build Echelon. So unlike some of these other projects, they don't have this huge land cost albatross that they have to go out and build something on to get some kind of return. It's basically paid for. So I would think that that probably gives them some extra flexibility that they're using here even if it means maybe changing the scope of the project down the line. And also there's no residential component, which I'm sure also helps in terms of flexibility. Um, I'm just going to open this one up. What do you guys think? I mean, personally, I was uh, I was surprised when I read it. Thoughts?
3: Well, I was really surprised, too. I figured maybe the – you know, I knew that the mall was sort of on the slow boat there for a while, and I figured maybe the Morgans um, – parts of the project wouldn't come through, but to stop the whole thing and to send the workers home was a pretty big step. And I think that it's one that they had to do a lot of soul searching about because they wouldn't want to send that kind of signal to a lot of people, including their investors and the unions too, aren't too happy about it. So I was pretty surprised, but I guess the investors liked it because the stock went up.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, we're talking about people that had a job one day and don't have a job the next day. Which even with the amount of construction in Las Vegas, uh, you know, isn't isn't uh, a positive thing.
2: Well, certainly, I was I was surprised by it that week. The day of the announcement, there had been an analyst, some analyst, in the day or two before, suggested that that was a possibility. And when I read that, I was very surprised. I guess by the day it happened, I had digested that, but. Um, the possibility, but um, you know, it, it's sort of it's sort of strange um, that they didn't have it all buttoned down with Morgan's beforehand. They said that that was sort of common practice that um, when they had a a better idea about the exact scope of. Uh, Of the boutique hotels Morgan's was going to build with Boyd in the joint venture that they would um, have lined up the the money then Um, but you know in in retrospect obviously that seems like a bad decision Um, it looks to me that you may be seeing some acrimony between Boyd and Morgan's down the line Um, you know Morgan's probably trying to Get its deposits back, maybe Boyd uh, claiming that, you know, Morgan's didn't act in good faith um, and cost them a bunch of money. I mean, I don't know if it's going to end up in lawsuits or what, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I would be surprised if Morgan's ends up involved in the project. I think that um, it may need some rethinking now. Um, Eventually, if they do um, go back to building it, I mean, if it's a total half-billion-dollar write-off in the scheme of things for the company, that's a pretty big amount to digest. But um, on the other hand, um, the site is about twice as big as the uh, as the new frontier site. So you know, they, if they if they did decide to eventually sell the site. To a very deep-pocketed builder and to buy a site for a couple billion bucks you'd have to put something pretty expensive on it to make it um, pencil out but uh, I you know I think that there is some question now about what the ultimate future of the project is best case scenario for um, you know workers in Las Vegas and for the economy of the valley would probably be um, Boyd um, you know the economy turning around Boyd getting a new partner and uh the money to build and finishing the project, um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see something you know very different happen for you know I certainly would would think that it's possible the economy will stay negative for quite some time that Boyd will uh end up in effect writing off the project and You know, long-term holders of land on the Strip really haven't been too penalized. Um, And, you know, it's a company that's, aside from that project, has some pretty good fundamentals. So, you know, you can see somebody else saying, um, you know, that's a site we'd like, or this is a company that we'd like to buy because of that site, among other things. So I I think it'll be interesting to see what the upshot is.
0: A couple i mean i I know some people um that were hardcore Stardust fans are now really feeling burned. Because not only do they you know did they did they get rid of the Stardust, but now that site's just going to be empty for an, an extended period of time.
2: who are these <laughs> hardcore stardust fans I, oh, I liked it, it was a nice property, but I mean it's you know
0: yeah well, I don't have that same sort of nostalgia, but <laughs> they're out there i guess
1: i I hate to play uh, two year or two years in, into the future, uh, Thursday afternoon quarterback. But uh, I'm I'm curious why they didn't. Being that that site is so huge, it's massive. I don't think you fully understand no, until you actually walk from one end of it to the other, how truly massive it is. Uh, you know why didn't they decide to build on the first half? You know as a phase one. Then knock the Stardust down as that thing came in. Then they'd still be generating revenue, you know, to to help pay for it as as the thing goes. Uh, Stardust you know, didn't make that
2: much. Stardust didn't make that much money for them. I mean, it wasn't like you know some, you know, couple hundred million dollars a year project. It was much. It was much more like a, you know, double digit millions and. Hmm. Um, You know, I think that they wanted to go ahead and use the whole project, or use the whole site.
0: I mean, there's definitely, from a a comprehensive design perspective, there's advantages of of not having to have those kinds of roadblocks of existing stuff, and we've seen uh, in other cases where leaving the existing buildings or some of them has been sort of disastrous. Um, But, you know, the other thing about this that I thought was interesting is that, there seemed to have been throughout a lot of this project this sort of doubt in the financial markets and, and even in some of the press that Boyd was going to even pull this thing off. Um, that some people just didn't seem to trust the company like they trusted some of the other casino operators to build a high-end mega resort, even though they've had success with Borgata. I mean, you could argue that how could they not? But um, you know, there there was a lot of a lot of folks that were not really uh, weren't sure if they were going to be able to pull it off. Does this implode that even further? I mean, this is sort of greeted as uh, with with happiness on Wall Street, but is that just because people are hoping they're going to get out of this project for good at some point? I don't think
2: so. Oh, go ahead, Dave.
3: Oh, I don't know, but for, for several years now, I've probably been one of the, I guess, strongest proponents of Boyd Gaming, having seen what the Borgata did in Atlantic City. I've really been consistently saying they know how to do a great project, and, you know, Echelon's going to be great, so... Um, I'm feeling kind of like a schmuck
2: now. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I think that's I think Dave is right that Boyd has done a great job in Atlantic City, but um, you know they did have a partner there that provided him a great site and some cash, um, MGM Mirage, um, and also they were able to get um, MGM Mirage's client list of you know it's a much different kind of customer than. Boyd has elsewhere in the country um, and bring some of those people from the East Coast to borgata um, so that was a benefit and just the the scale of the projects massively different Borgata um the original borgata um you know a billion dollar project, a little over a billion I guess, and this thing was you know four billion and with the price moving up um four point four or whatever, and who knows what it would be now. So it's a much bigger project. I think um, I was not skeptical. I thought the company could do it, and I think they would have done it had that one billion dollar piece been buttoned up. Um, You know, that's a company unlike some of these others that don't have big cash flow coming in from everywhere. It's not a company that could afford to sort of, uh, you know, pull you know an odd billion dollars out of their pocket, and so. You know, I I do, I I share with Dave a lot of uh, confidence in that company. And I think they just made a prudent um, decision in the near term to, uh, you know, wait and see what happens. Um, I don't think you can criticize them. And I think that, you know, they should be given credit for having the best property in Atlantic City, bringing that kind of style to the market. And uh, I think that, you know, a lot of people have faith that they can do a pretty nice project here. It's just going to take a little longer for them to do it.
0: Yeah.
1: How do you, how are they going to handle putting, you know, all this exposed steel and whatnot into uh, plastic wrap?
0: <laughs> Maybe you it's know, like, um, you know, like a tent like when you fumigate your house.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks
3: to Atlantic City where there was two projects that sat like that for at least 10 years. One of them was across from Atlantic City High School where I went and that was the dunes, which was just this unfinished steel girders that sat there for a really long time. The other was going to be the penthouse, and that eventually became the East Tower at Trump Plaza. So uh, there's definitely been times when this stuff just hangs around for a long time. Well, and, and
2: in Las uh, Vegas. We've had it in Las Vegas, the, uh, the old Caribbean that was never built on the site of the Tuscany. Had a big marquee outside, and it was, uh, you know, they did a little bit of ground prep, um, and there's been other projects as well. I mean, that could still happen with Cosmopolitan. We don't know, but, um, it, it, you know, the, supposedly it won't, but you just don't know. But that would be, that's the next likely, you know, likely target for this kind of a problem.
0: Yeah, well, there's the there's the hotel in, uh, what is it, Pyongyang, North Korea, that's been unfinished for like 10 years, the hulking concrete mass uh, Tower of Doom sort of looking thing. So, you know, I wouldn't want to get into that building, but I guess it could be done. I'm
1: curious what the shelf life will be. Like, how long, how long will they sit on this? I know they said three quarters to a year before they commence construction again, but how long do you think they'll be able to sit on it before they'd have to – Knock it down and start over again. I don't.
0: Know. I, think right. if they, I think if they take the proper uh, precautions, and I, you know, I assume that they plan to protect the investment they've already made as much as they can. I'd assume that it actually probably would keep for a while. I mean, obviously, the fact that it's up to like what five or six or seven floors um, locks in the design to a certain extent. Um, at least, the, at least the fundamentals of the design in terms of them being able to change scope after the fact. But I think that they probably could, you know, as long as they take care of things like they plan to, they probably could have it sit there for a while. Yes, I think that's right. Well, I mean, this is just a crazy story that I wasn't expecting. I, 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 in the end, it probably is a fairly brave decision on their part, um, and and for that, uh, you know, I applaud them for 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 sticking out there and doing it. But uh, it's it's pretty interesting, and it will, you know, we'll be kind of sad to see that thing be. Uh, to not see it open in the next couple of years, like we were expecting, um, especially as that area sort of uh, is experiencing a now somewhat slowed revitalization, but um, you know obviously that will continue even if it's more protracted than we expected. But we can segue from from Echelon being shut down to uh, to some other financial related news in Las Vegas, and and that's some results and a uh, funding for another major project. Um, since the last show, two major operators reported their financials. Um, while both MGM Mirage and Las Vegas Sands saw falling figures, the latter company actually swung to a loss, even if it wasn't very big. Um, unlike Wynn Resorts, the numbers from Macau didn't save either company, um, though I think MGM Grand Macau is still has a pretty small slice of that market. But we will combine those results with the fact that MGM Mirage's city center project, which is uh, next to Bellagio on the Las Vegas Strip, still isn't fully funded with, I think, about $3 billion left to be to be taken care of. Um, the company claims, you know, this is much to do about nothing, that there's there's nothing to see here. At least half of that they expect to be taken care of in the next month or so. And then there's, you know, this cash from the closing of condos and, you know, Kirkorian's Couch. Whatever they might find under there,
1: <laughs> so
0: you know I'm sure city. I, I'm fairly confident. I shouldn't say I'm sure. I'm fairly confident City Center will be completed um, and won't won't pull an echelon. But if you know if you look at if you look at things, and if even you know MGM Mirage can't get great financing, then boy didn't have a chance. Um, and you know to top it off, there's that story today in the Review Journal about City Center workers drinking before they head to work, <laughs> which you know is just icing on the cake so it seems like neither company really has had a great past week or so so i mean what do you guys think about about personally as far as this construction financing goes it is i think dave and i were talking about this offline it does seem a little strange to have such major parts of your financing you know unfinished so far into the project but is this normal i mean how often does this go on
2: well, it's not normal, but it's because these the this, this scope and scale of these projects is so much bigger than anything that's ever been done. I mean, and that's the thing with City Center um, when they when they uh, conceptualized the project and started building it, the uh, they were very certain that they were going to be selling those condos, um, and the credit markets were much different as well. So they planned on selling condos, having all of that revenue. Um, in hand which would have more than offset the cost of you know finishing those condos um, ha- and um, you know the way that those that's released is the the company that's holding the money in escrow is releasing parts of it as those are getting finished but they just haven't sold enough of them yet um, they expect to continue selling them um, but you know the there have been cost overruns as there always are and uh, you know, I mean, and, and the fact remains they're going to get their financing. I, I I have absolutely no doubt that they will. I think that they're just frustrated that, um, you know, they there is a credit crunch. They're not getting probably quite as good of terms as they wanted. They'll get better terms than anybody else in the business, except for possibly Win. But they're gonna, you know, they'll get good terms. They just they won't be as good as MGM is used to probably. Um, and you know it's just a it's just a very it's a very tough economic situation. But you know they're eventually going to finish it. I mean this is going to be a spectacular project. And uh, you know I I don't even consider this a bump in the road. I think that it's just that they haven't sold the condos as fast as they had hoped, and the credit market's a lot tighter than it normally is.
0: Yeah. Now, Chuck, I wanted to get your feedback on on Macau because part of part of this. Part of these earnings now, these companies, uh, you know, LVS and Win, especially, are basically Las Vegas and Macau. And you know, LVS will have some more stuff coming online later. But you know, MGM Mirage does have a property in Macau, but it contributed, according to the article in the Sun, I think, uh, you know, it was something like. Uh, well, I'm trying to find it here now. I can't now. I can't track it down. But the percentage of business that MGM Grand Macau is getting. Is fairly small. Any idea why that might be? I mean, it doesn't seem to have made a big splash.
1: Yeah, there's 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 a number of things that are going on at, uh, at MGM Grand Macau that that are causing some problems. Which uh, they just replaced uh, Bob Moon, who was the uh, president of property for opening, with uh, Grant Bowie, who is uh, the president of Win Macau for its opening. Uh, he moved over, so they're they're making a lot of changes. To, uh, to, the, to the property itself, to how they're marketing the property. And there's also a lot of environmental factors that are uh, keeping them from doing the business that they probably could do. If the location of, of MGM Grand Macau is uh, surrounded essentially by other construction sites. Uh, Encore, the Encore Tower at Wynn uh, to the direct north, the Royal Arc, which is on the east side of the street, and uh, the one uh, Shintak uh, mixed-use residential condo retail thing on the west side. The only way you can really get to this by foot is through the back door of Wind. Uh, you can kind of dodge the construction down the street, and getting to uh, to uh, the property from the ferry terminal. Uh, requires a right-hand turn. They actually talk about this in the uh, in their uh, earnings call. A right-hand turn, which you can't make right quite yet. They haven't uh, figured out the traffic pattern, so you have to go all the way down to the tower, and turn around, and then come back to get to the property. So it's actually difficult just to get inside of the place. Uh, there's a lot of obstacles right right in the way. Uh, they also have uh, decided to utilize what they're calling NGM Mirage international marketing organization, which I'm not sure if that means uh, player development or, you know, the, the design brains to sort of market, you know, and advertise this stuff. I imagine it's probably more uh, 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 player development to, to the report, to the, to the to the property starting in June. Uh, that they've waited, you know, seven months to, to roll NGM Mirage's biggest asset potentially into this property kind of doesn't make any sense. It seems like you know they're kind of slow on on getting things sorted together, uh, but they see where they, where there's uh, places that can be fixed. They're also converting the top two floors of the hotel to VIP gaming. Thirty hmm. fourth, thirty fifth floor are going to be all uh, VIP and some mass market tables because they the casino footprint is uh, isn't large enough to handle the uh, the VIP and the junket and the internal. Uh, junket business that they feel they can uh, start scraping away from other properties. So, you know, they're doing a lot of retooling on the property, even though it's just open. Phase two of construction is just beginning also. Uh, I don't have too many details from my sources there about what exactly that entails. But uh, evidently, you know, the, the place itself, the clubs, you know, it's hopping. They're doing a lot of business, but but they see a lot of uh, room for growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it doesn't seem to have taken off, but it does sound like uh, like they're trying to put things back together. So, thanks for that update. Uh, a lot of stuff in there I was not aware of. The other part of that uh, of this whole topic is is Las Vegas Sands. Um, I mean, what happened to them? And obviously, uh, you know, Las Vegas has been sort of down, but they have two major properties in Macau. Um, why weren't, they, why weren't they doing better? And the other, the other thing I'm hearing, and I can't remember where I read this. This may have been actually, I think David McKee may have written this on his blog. Some evidence of them basically manipulating their occupancy numbers at the Venetian Palazzo complex by shifting people back and forth to, to boost occupancy at one or the other, uh, suggesting that maybe, those, maybe Palazzo was really cannibalizing the Venetians' business and not really growing their share of the market. Um, any thoughts on Las Vegas fans as far as how they're doing and why why they took a hit this last quarter?
1: I uh, you know I had just read the uh, the transcript of the call and I had thought exactly the same thing and I saw it on David's blog just shortly thereafter. Uh, it was it was pretty fascinating. He uh, he said you know that it appears that Palazzo and Venetian are leeching off of one another, uh, but the the quote. From the LVS exec, I don't remember who said he said, looking at the two properties as a whole, second quarter demon lines were up across the board, reflecting our now significantly larger asset base in Las Vegas. And some of the analysts actually followed up to try and get specific numbers about what you know the POTS was doing versus what the Venetian was doing. And they were very evasive. They didn't answer those questions. They are pretty much saying, you know, this is the number, this is the number. They're trying to bunch these whole things, you know,
2: bunch both of them into one property, one casino. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and it's always a problem when you have a place and they had one and we're going to see it with win when he opens encore. Um, we saw it when Wynn opened Mirage and had to move some of his golden nugget customers there when he opened Bellagio and moved his Mirage customers there. You know, it's tough. Your better customers are going to end up uh, likely in the new place. Um, it makes it, tough to keep the same kind of results at the uh, at the old place. Now, Venetian has not really, you know, they have not followed the same path that Wynn has done. Um, they didn't go with a very high-profile opening, um, and, you know, the, you can see that the casino performance at Venetian is still crushing the performance of Palazzo, um, but you know, that's a company that just does things its own way, and it's hard to find fault with their success um you know they may not be making as much money as some other places did out of the box but you know slow and steady does win the race um and you know i've had my differences with that company but i think if you look at, at their at their results i think you know it doesn't I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong for them to think of it as one giant seven thousand room property they have a bunch of room you know they have all those rooms and they have a bunch of tables. You know, they don't care whether the people lose at Palazzo or lose at Venetian. They're bringing as many customers as they can find in there. Um, and if they lose at one place or the other, it doesn't really matter. People probably are used to playing in Venetian, um, so maybe that's where they're going. I'm not sure. Um, I know they're very aggressively marketing rooms to their the players that have you know that they have on their in their databases. Um, you know, I just, I'm not, you know, I don't think that, you know, in, in, it's, it's a tough market in Las Vegas. And like Wynn said on his call, you know, you just have to bite the bullet and accept some lower numbers, um, during tough times. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll have to do that. To me, the interesting thing is their overcapacity in Macau. Um, you are seeing you know even though you know you're seeing sands being cannibalized by Venetian Macau um, and they just have such a big project property um, obviously dependent on the mass market and uh, to me it seems like that is a property and those new ones are going to build four seasons and the ones after it those properties to me seem at risk for those visa restrictions that the Chinese government um, or the SAR are, are imposing, and and I think that uh, you know that's the the most interesting long term story for them is you know how are they going to deal with all this extra capacity, all these billions they're spending building even new casinos, um, you know it's a lot of capacity to add, and you know I don't know that it's that it's certain that they're going to do very well.
0: Yeah, I mean you know, the and they're even adding more capacity. I think the what is the Four Seasons. Opens what this month? I mean, it's coming up pretty pretty soon. So they're you know con- continuing on their trajectory that you add even more capacity to the Macau market, and it just it's not growing as fast as I think they would they would like.
2: Chuck, um, and I, and that's something I've I I would like to know. I mean, certainly people uh, off the record have hinted to me that that the SAR government um, isn't really happy with the way SANS has developed in. In Macau, they've just they sort of said, let's get the biggest straw in there, as many tables as we can do, um, to have the maximum capacity fast, Um, and that really put pressure on everybody else. Um, You know, certainly Stanley Ho most of all, and uh, that can't be pleasing um, the long-term establishment of Macau um, when Ho's getting hurt. Some of his long-term partners getting hurt and quite frankly even you know even venetian isn't isn't you know thriving over there um i'm wondering what chuck thinks and what he's heard about how big of a imprint that one licensee has made in the in 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 the enclave
1: well i i don't know exactly how how the uh macau government the sr government is, is talking about it but but uh you know, there's they've got a huge pipeline of stuff that are that is coming online. And judging from their call, they seem to be banking a lot of this on uh Koti jets of all things. You know, they're they're now about to start sailing at night and they're saying that this is gonna make people you know, they're not gonna have to stand online at the you know, the ferry terminal, and whatnot, they'll be able to come right to Kotai, type of Kotai area, and that is going to help uh, drive traffic to all of these places. You know, the Four Seasons opens 8 nice lucky day. Uh, the uh, St. Regis, Shangri La, Trader, Sheridan thing is supposed to open uh, a little less than a year from now, mid 2009. Uh, the next site. The one just south of that, the Hilton, Fairmont, Conrad, Raffles, Swiss Hotel thing uh, is still being uh, talked about by the government. They haven't approved their plans and what's going on. So that could be, you know, the government putting the brakes on LVS saying, all right, you know what, we're not going to let you guys build a million hotels that are just going to sit there vacant. If you're still not filling what's there, we're going to – sort of meter it and wait to see what, what things are happening. And LBS is saying that you know as soon as they get uh, approval to commence construction on the site, it's going to take them 30 to 36 months to, to build the, that wacky, curved, circular hotel-looking thing. So that puts it, you know, plus or minus 2011, 2012. And they also have another site, too, which, which I didn't even know about, uh, site number three is what they're calling it, which I think might be where the there was a temporary uh, talk about a, a, a another ferry term, which would be due east of the wind Macau or the wind Kotai, uh, right on the coast there. So, you know that's something else they've also got out out into the future too that they're sort of talking about, but. You know, I don't I don't I don't see this stuff coming as gangbusters as what they were saying, you know, ten ten months ago.
0: Well and you know, ultimately, you know, it may it may turn out that the market does grow to absorb all this supply. But there's definitely something to be said for growing more organically and not just like Jeff was saying, you know, exploding onto the market as quickly as they can and just plopping down hotels as fast as they can. There's definitely uh, something that something that can be said about growing growing the whole the whole market more more slowly,
2: and you really see a difference in the win philosophy. Win, you know, is certainly measured, saying you know we're going to build when the time is right. You know, he's taking a look at both the market, the economy, and making sure he has the design perfect. Um, you know, Sands though looks at its record. I think starting with Sands Macau, um, they got their straw in the drink first. And so they enjoyed a few years uh, as the only American operator there, making hundreds of millions of dollars every year, more than you know, making back their investment in the first year, and just obviously enriching themselves and Adelson. And you know, I mean, I'm sure they feel like they had the right strategy. Wynn clearly feels like he did. Um, and it's you know, it's just interesting to see these two diametrically different methods to different kinds of guys to different companies with their different approaches and sort of you know at various steps along the way people look and there's a, there seems to be a consensus opinion I think two years ago everyone in the world was like you know wind really blew it you know Sands you know Adelson the genius um, I think you're starting to see an evolution in that um, I'm not saying that people are saying the opposite yet because I think that's clearly not true but um, it's just interesting the way those two guys and companies have different approaches and uh, how it's playing out now that we're not, you know, we're more in the, we're not in the first inning anymore. We've moved further into the game.
0: Yeah. Well, it definitely will be, be interesting to see how it shakes out. And, uh, and I think like we were saying earlier, uh, you know, the the tougher times do, do separate the men from the boys, so to speak. Um, We, you know, we'll see, some of the uh, less fleshed-out strategies fall by the wayside, and, uh, and the more tried-and-true approaches will prevail. Not, not that there's only one way to do it, but uh, the easy money is, um, isn't there anymore, so it's going to be people that are actually going to be working for it. Um, I think next up we'll talk a little bit more about Mr. Wynn. Um, there was a piece in the New York Times on Steve Wynn last week. Featuring yet again this ever-present drumbeat about hiring at Encore, um, and I think I even saw something on uh, Steve Freese's blog about this. Um, and, may- and maybe some of you guys have seen these ads. Uh, they're making a huge deal about the hiring for Encore. I mean, there's advertising everywhere. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out what, like Steve was mentioning, qu- asking on his blog, is what's the mo- what's the motivation for this heavy promotion? Because I mean. Based on what they've been saying, there are way more applicants than jobs, so they don't have to worry about filling them. Uh, and, and In conjunction with that, there was an interesting tidbit in the Sun story today about Encore hiring that mentioned that dealers from Win Las Vegas aren't going to be allowed to move over to Encore because there's, a, there's potential uh, union uh, violation that could be taken into consideration with moving them from one property to the, to the other. I thought that was interesting, but just generally speaking, why why are they making such a big deal out of this?
2: Well, I saw Steve's blog post, and he's suggesting that it's some kind of you know like brand um, brand building, uh, right. you know, win as an economic savior for the area, plus you know getting the name out there of Encore, and you know, I mean, it it, it certainly doesn't hurt, and I but I would I would say that I think that they just they want to make sure that they get the best possible applicants. Um, you know, Wynn always says and says it, you know, repeatedly, um, on uh, his conference calls and everywhere else, that um it's it's critical to get the best possible workers. And the way to do that, and you know, Steve was mentioning his bus stop ads. Well, you know, a lot of the folks who uh are make are cleaning up the rooms, maybe riding the bus. Um and, you know, he's he is just making sure that the best possible folks are applying for for the jobs i think it's just pretty simple wants a great crew He's willing to spend a little money on the front end i don't think you know they're spending hundred million dollars i mean it may be uh, you know a few million dollars advertising to get people in for the jobs but it's going to pay off when the grit when the staff is uh you know the best in the city he's done it before and i'm sure he believes he'll do it again
0: yeah you're probably right i had have. Had any of you guys heard um, of that uh, of that dealer thing? I would suspect that, you know, some of their best candidates for those dealing jobs at Encore, being at the higher-end casino, would be employees they have at Wynn Las Vegas. I mean, the fact that they can't move them over seems like actually a, it could be a, a
2: problem. Well, and and I talked to Liz about this yesterday. Um, you know, she actually did that interview, of, you know, um, a few weeks ago, and uh, I had talked to Wynn uh, maybe a couple weeks before that, when I wrote about the Encore hiring and you know I mean I think that they're saying that you know if they were able to pull half let's say they're taking half of the wind dealers over to Encore some big chunk of those dealers um, it could be interpreted as a as an attempt to break um, the union that's already been voted in they don't have a negotiated contract but they've been voted in in a NLRB supervised election and so they've made a legal decision that they're not going to hire any of the wind dealers to go over there now under the surface and Wynn has not said anything like this to me and I'm just um, speculating but you know it also could be a little bit of payback you know you you know when um, you know you just when you think about um, sort of the public relations um, you know hits he took um, from those dealers as you know he may see them as being sort of ungrateful Um, as you know after even though they did take a small cut in pay they were still exceptionally highly paid Um, and you know they they rewarded him by criticizing him publicly in the media voting in a union you know he's never um, he's never had um, a contract with a union at his properties other than the culinary Um, you know he has a good record with the culinary but you know, if you're a teamsters or operating engineers, all those, you know, the um, the theatrical stage employees, those folks, they don't like, they they don't have a good record with him, and they don't really like him. Um, he and and you know, he wasn't really hoping for a union deal. I'm just speculating, but you know, it could be a little payback sort of, you know, because you know that the best. Um, The the biggest players are going to be moving over to Encore. It's what happened at Bellagio and Mirage. Um, We're likely to see that here. It's going to be a little more upscale. Um, And so the best dealing jobs will be there. Um, One additional factor is he can clearly say now when he describes the Encore staff, nobody there can complain that they were hired into the company not expecting to share tips. These folks will all know from day one that that's part of their program is that they have that they include those team leaders in their tip pool. So you know, there's a couple things I think that are at work here. Maybe there is that legal reason, and I'm not a lawyer. I don't really you know know if that's if that's bona fide or not. But I would say that you know, there may be a little payback involved, and it's it certainly works for him to be able to say that all the Encore dealers knew what they were getting into.
0: Mm, yeah. No, that definitely. It definitely is a is a good point that they will not be able to claim ignorance or uh, or that they were or maybe not ignorance, but they won't be able to claim that they had one put over on them because uh, it'll just be the status quo going in. It does seem to be a lot of press for uh, for the process, but uh, you know maybe maybe if it helps me get my turn down service a little bit faster, then I'm all for it. <laughs> Um, you know, I was going to go on to another story, but I just saw a flash on a on a on a blog I read from time to time, and I, I can't vouch for its accuracy, but it's stating that uh, as of today, Deutsche Bank is formally foreclosing on the Cosmopolitan, and that they are trying to get either MGM Mirage or Hilton to take over the project. Huh. Uh, they don't have sourcing on this, so I don't yeah, know where. Bloomberg, it comes from.
2: Bloomberg reported it today. They have two unnamed
0: sources. Ah, okay. So I don't know. You know, that could be. Could be uh, could be totally sketchy. Um, don't know, but that would be interesting. We've talked about that in the past. The prospect of operators like M. J. Mirage taking it over. And I'm still in the skeptical column unless uh, unless the price was quite attractive. But we'll see what happens. I guess. Um, there is one other story I wanted to go into, and I'm not exactly sure where I want to take it. But there was well, let me let me set it up, and then we can talk about it. Um, you know the Mirage obviously set the bar for luxury when it opened in Las Vegas many years ago, but since new resorts have come online, its star is sort of faded, I guess. MG um, Mirage has continued to invest in the property with new restaurants, uh, the Cirque du Soleil show, the new nightclub, and uh, a room remodel, and uh, a completely rebuilt volcano is coming later this year. But um, I had someone post some photos of some of these ref- of some of the most recent. Refurbishments um, to the exterior of the property, and you know, they just look incredibly junky. Um, the they they look more like something you'd find in a in a mall food court than uh, than in a in a high end strip property. So I mean, I I see this and I'm sort of thinking, why, what, wh- what, how did this end up this way? And then I'm also thinking about, you know, the people do establish a legitimate connection with properties they like to visit on a regular basis. People will keep coming back to the same place because they love it. And as some of these older properties are remodeled, you know how big of a risk is it to as they redefine the sort of vibe of these places? I mean, we, we're seeing it at the Mirage to some degree, definitely Treasure Island. Uh, I'm sure there are probably some other examples I'm not thinking of that maybe you guys can remind me. Just, you know, is this a legitimate problem at all, or is you know is this just the drumbeat of evolution and and uh, the chips will fall where they may, no matter what?
3: I think it's partially evolution. I think the places are going to change. I think also the ideas of luxury are definitely going to change. Definitely, it's going to be a lot different than it was back in 1989. Um, I think that's what that's what a lot of it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. Now, you look at Treasure Island, and I know a lot of people were not really that thrilled with what the property turned into, at least in terms of the, the difference in the crowd that it attracts. But I don't have the figures in front of me, but I believe that it's been a financial success for MGM Mirage, that, that changeover, that it's actually making more money than it did in the past.
2: I think all the refurbishments have been pretty much a financial success. You know, I think there's a historic element here that Dave probably could, uh, you know um, – Expand on but when I think about sort of the history of Las Vegas since I've been exposed to it, you know There are certain Properties um, One or two or three that are the best in town for you know, maybe half a generation a period um, You know, um, I wasn't here during the the early area of the Flamingo the, the Dunes the Desert Inn eras when they were the best um, when I started coming to Las Vegas there was it was Caesars Palace um, with some of the other strip places, you know, a little smaller, like Desert Inn. And then there was Golden Nugget downtown with Wynn, and then the big gambling, actually, the Horseshoe. And that changed when Wynn opened the Mirage. And then, you know, that place la- lasted at the top, you know, almost a decade until Bellagio opened, along with a, a range of other sort of top-flight properties. Bellagio had almost... You know, I think you know. Some people will claim, it, and you know it on your blog, Hunter. It's still a subject of pretty vigorous debate. But I think uh, at least now there's two clear top properties: um, Bellagio with Win, um, and we're about to enter an era where maybe we're going to get some more, um, starting with Encore and and uh, um, City Center. But I think that those properties that are so evocative there you know people came to town maybe for the first time or stayed in one of those great properties whether it was caesar's palace in the 60s and 70s um the mirage in the in the 90s um, bellagio now it it, it's very evocative for people they have a connection it's like a it's 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 a very strong connection and so changes to those properties even when they do evolve and the companies you know they say hey we got to keep it you know fresh and alive but i think people have these memories and whether it's seeing the tiger exhibit at the Mirage or, you know, or, or whatever, I think that, you know, the change um, hits people sometimes and, uh, you know, not always for the best. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it, I think it's it is probably, you know, inevitable and this will continue. But it, there is, you know, I think that sense of history and this is something that's been debated about Las Vegas, you know, as every old property falls. This seems to this topic seems to come up again, but it is kind of in some you know there are definitely things that I miss and I don't want to get overly nostalgic, but you know it, sometimes I do do think some things that I'm sad to see them go and their replacement may be more profitable, but uh, I don't know I, the, the corporate owners of today obviously profit is probably the number one thing. Um, but maybe in a, in the yesteryear, you know, profit may not – it was always important, but maybe not as important as some other considerations. It's just sometimes I wish they would leave some of this stuff the way that it was, but, um, you know, that you can't stop progress, I guess. Yeah, I just punched up
3: that the photo of the Mirage New Entrance, and wow, that is not
0: good <laughs> I mean, that's ex- ex- exceptionally terrible. I mean, for, for those that haven't seen it, they basically put backlit – logo signs of their restaurants plastered all over the uh, the entryway, like uh, it just literally looks like a food court or like a shopping mall.
1: It's, it's
3: just, just the whole idea that I'm going to be walking down the strip and I'm going to see a sign and say, wow, California Pizza Kitchen, I've got to mm. go here, and not care about the fact that it's the Mirage, right. you know, one of the most famous hotels in the world. I'm going to be more impressed with the CPK. It's, it's a strange... It, I don't know what they were thinking.
0: Yeah, exactly. It does seem to put, put things in the wrong order, plus the fact that they ripped out the tigers. And I, you know, personally, I didn't care about the tigers at all. I mean, I walked by them a million times. But they were a signature element of that resort. And to take them out, uh, even if the association with Siegfried and Roy is fading, still, that's a, that's a significant uh, step in terms of changing the way that it's perceived. I, I have yet to read an article where they don't mention white tigers and Mirage in the same, in the same paragraph.
3: Yeah, that really was part of their identity, and you've got to see, you know, you've got to think they're going through a real facelift with their headliner, with Danny Gans, leaving. You know, I i think they're really trying to hit the reset button, wipe this plate clean, and, and maybe by 2009, the Mirage will have a totally different identity.
0: Yeah, the Win era at the Mirage is over, I guess. For, yeah, I mean, because sure. when you think
3: of Mirage, you think of Steve Wynn, Siegfried and Roy, White Tigers – Um, later on Danny Gans, and I think all of those elements are going to be gone except for Siegfried and Roy having the secret garden back there. So it's definitely positioning itself for the future.
0: Indeed. Well, we'll, uh, I'm going to be staying there here again pretty soon, so I'm going to check out the uh, newly remodeled rooms for myself. And we'll see. Now, the rooms themselves were definitely in in desperate need of a remodel because it had been quite a while since they were done. So that I welcome, but we shall see. Um, One other little tidbit before we go, and that's – there was a story yesterday in the Sun about Tropicana and um, that the the trustees that are being uh, appointed to basically take it through its bankruptcy. Um, I believe it was – I think the article said it was unprecedented. I don't have it in front of me. Basically approving these guys to run the hotel in the state during the conservatorship when they are not licensed, which – I mean, can someone, can someone uh, clarify, is it the first time that's happened?
2: It is. It's correct. Yeah, um, our reporter, Rick Vallada, um, put that post up uh, yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's correct. I mean, this is in a very unusual situation where the creditors of Tropicana Resorts, um, one of their requirements to um, continue to not default the company and, and take the ownership out, um, was that Bill Young remove himself from executive control. The problem is that he is the only licensed guy, um, so these four guys who are running um, Tropicana aren't licensed. Um, the control board pretty much has said, well, this is a one-time thing. All these four guys have um, a pretty good reputation. They're going to accelerate Their license investigation Um, but it's because of the you know the the bankruptcy court the bankruptcy court sort of driving this and and our control board decided to in this one case recommend um, allowing them to operate um, not having been licensed I mean in, in almost always in the past they've required a licensed operator to come in and operate the casino and to um, take the money from the casino it's it's unprecedented that unlicensed operators will be um receiving proceeds from gaming um you know that was uh that was a change that was made you know half a century ago or a little less than that to uh make sure that you know organized crime wasn't bene- benefiting from um hidden investments in casinos and so it is a big change now that you know the control board took pains to tell you know the spectators and the press. You know, don't think that this is something we're going to do in the future. But you can't get around that it is. You know, they say they can say it's not a precedent, but the next company that goes into bankruptcy, they're certainly going to argue that it is a precedent. Right. Um, so I think it's pretty dramatic.
0: It was a pretty interesting story. I mean, I, I when I first saw it, I was uh, I, I was surprised and. Uh... And you know, I I guess they're willing to do whatever it takes to try and save the company. I mean, to, to try and try and help the company, you know, get through the awkward awkward situation it finds itself in.
2: Well, this is a company that owns two casinos in Lake Tahoe: the the uh, r- the Palms, the River Palms, and the Tropicana Express, one in Las Vegas and two in Laughlin. Um, Bill Young still owns the um, Westin arena here in las vegas that's separate but they own five casinos and you know the control board and our regulators are very sensitive to putting um you know thousands of workers on the street um and you know so they don't want to do anything that would tip this company into like having to close casinos um and and certainly they would they would figure a way out a, a way not to have to do that um but you know they didn't take action against the horseshoe for a long time when they were being operated in a quite dubious manner <laughs> um five six years ago um they you know they sort of waited for the the house of cards to tumble on itself before quickly approving uh Harris to come in and operate the place they you know our operators they our regulators they say that you know keeping the the place operating clean is a priority, but I think a clear second priority is. Keeping workers working and the economy humming as smoothly as possible. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, guys, I
0: think that's it for today. We missed uh, we missed David, but um, you know, uh, hopefully he'll be with us uh, next Saturday.
2: Um, his, blog, his blog said he has summer f- or the uh, says he has a stomach flu.
0: Oh well, we wish him well then. Uh, I hope that he feels better. Um, for all y'all out there, don't forget to come see us at the podcast the Palooza a week from Saturday at the Palms. I will put the link in the notes. Um, also, uh, if anyone's interested, while I'm there, I'm fairly certain I'm going to give some demos of my new GPS-enabled iPhone application, which is very close to being done. It's pretty neat. So anyone that wants to see that, you can uh, bother me uh, on the 16th, and uh, I'll give you a little demo. So you're uh, giving
2: out the free iPhones? Is that? Oh, right? that's yeah. That's
0: exactly what I just said. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to go around the table so you guys can tell uh, people where they can find you. Uh, Jeff Simpson, where can people find you?
2: InBusinessLasVegas.com
0: All right. And Dave Schwartz, where can people track you down?
3: www.DieIsCast.com
0: All right. And Chuck Monster?
1: VegasTripping.com
0: Excellent. Uh, I'm at RateVegas.com. Thanks to everybody and have a great weekend.